The man who stood before the pastor explained, calmly and articulately, that he had a devil on his back he couldn't shake. He had come to the church that day to seek the pastor's blessing in hopes that some holy words might chase away his unclean spirit. The pastor who tells this story was caught off guard, as I would be and have been in similar circumstances. When his secretary first informed him of the late afternoon visitor, he made an immediate assumption. Based on prior experience, the man wanted money. He may say he wanted a blessing, but that was as clear a code as any for cash. But now that the man was in the pastor's study, it was clear that this man really did desire some sort of blessing, perhaps even an exorcism of sorts. The pastor suggested that maybe the man was suffering from a panic attack and needed a referral to the health clinic. No, the man said calmly, it's definitely a devil, and all I want is your blessing. The pastor, feeling altogether inadequate for this encounter, bumbled through an explanation that his tradition didn't really do that sort of thing, and he didn't believe he had that kind of power. All I want is your blessing, the man said. So the pastor asked the man's name. It is so easy to skip that courtesy when we already think we know who someone is. We might forget that names matter. This man's name was Andy. So the pastor proceeded to pray for Andy. He wisely didn't pretend to pray any other way than he knew how. He didn't emulate a faith healer from the TV not in word and not in deed. He simply prayed, a prayer of thanksgiving for God's presence in Andy's life, an acknowledgement of the way God had already been blessing him, an affirmation of God's continuing concern and care for him. And finally, the pastor mustered a slightly sheepish request that God would take away this demon, preventing Andy from being the person he was called to be. The pastor whispered, Amen. Andy stood from where he had knelt, thanked him, and left. The pastor never saw him again, but when he shares this story, he confessed that he has yet to stop wondering if his feeble little effort at exorcism worked. Did anything happen on account of his words? Andy 
comes from a long line of people who seek healing. We meet another today. The man possessed by an unclean spirit, clever enough to know that Jesus was the Holy One of God. The man himself never speaks. The devil on his back does the talking for him. Just as the pastor passed immediate judgment on the one who came seeking his help, those who encounter this man have their assumptions. His contemporaries were likely to label him a sinner. Of course, we modern folk like to think we're smarter than that. We might quiz him for a list of his symptoms and then consult the internet to diagnose his condition. But I have learned, and perhaps you have too, some soul sicknesses cannot be fixed by magic or medicine alone. Some, like this one, require a miracle. And so a miracle ensues. In other healing narratives, the great physician will extend his holy hands to touch the skin of the leper. Down the road, he'll even rub his spit into the eyes of a blind man. But this time, this time, Jesus whips up a miracle by the force of his words. Be silent, he says. Come out of him. And that is all it takes for the unclean spirit to untangle itself from the man's soul. Those who had gathered in the synagogue for worship on this most uncommon Sabbath day are utterly dumbfounded by this turn of events. Their collective exclamation isn't exactly accurate, however. The Spirit did not fully obey Jesus. It did come out of the man, but it did not go quietly. It made a lot of fuss and ruckus. It violently wrestled the man to the ground as it departed his body. The power of words is at play here. The power of Jesus' teaching, the power of the unclean spirit's disruptive cry, the power of Jesus' commandment for the devil to skedaddle. Children may say sticks and stones are more potent than words, but here the power of words is laid bare. And yet, Mark only tells us a handful of the words Jesus used that day. At this point in the narrative, Mark isn't so interested in telling us what was said as he is in making sure we understand how powerfully Jesus speaks. The people listen and are amazed. Even the unclean spirit listens and mostly obeys. 
A preaching professor confesses the longing this story evokes in his heart. He writes, the healing word Jesus speaks, like the words he has spoken in the synagogue, cause things to happen. This is what people find so astonishing about Jesus' words. They are powerful and performative, and we want the same thing. We want the same thing. We want to see Jesus. We want to hear his voice, and we want our lives and our world to be transformed. More than ever, we want Jesus to look evil in the face and quietly tell it to be silent and be gone. Perhaps sometimes we show up only half expecting Jesus to do the same. Maybe this is the test of our faith in this season of trials and tribulations. Do we confess that Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, still speaks with authority? Do we believe that God's Holy Spirit will vanquish the unclean spirits wreaking havoc in our nation and in our world? Do we trust that love is stronger than hatred and evil and corruption and greed? Friends, believe the good news. Christ will show up. Something will happen. And we will be amazed. May it be so. Amen.